Chapter Twenty Two of *The Untempered Wind* by Joanna Wood. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Behold, we know not anything. I can but trust that good shall fall at last, far off, at last to all, and every winter change to spring. O wind, if winter comes, can spring be far behind? Mr. Fletcher arrived in Jamestown in due time, and was met at the station by Mrs. Deans. Hardly had they started upon their drive to Mrs. Deans, before Mr. Fletcher inquired about Myron Holder. Mrs. Deans launched forth eloquently, and Mr. Fletcher was soon in possession of the same facts and fancies concerning Myron Holder as Philip Hardman had been deluged with. But the Reverend Fletcher viewed the recital differently. He regarded Mrs. Dean's indignation as being the natural feeling of a good woman toward a bad one, and saw in this drawing away of the skirts nothing derogatory to Mrs. Dean's womanhood. The church was filled that evening, and many eyes watched the door eagerly, for the probable appearance of Myron Holder had been a much-discussed theme that day. Many of them had missed seeing her the night before, but there certainly was no danger that the like would occur again. The Reverend Mr. Fletcher entered with his hostess, and, like the clever church diplomat that he was, spoke to the class leaders and the elect, and smiled benignly but condescendingly upon the lesser lights, and then proceeded, without further parley, to the platform. He was a hard-faced man with hawk-like features, coarsened by wind and weather, keen, hard eyes wherein passion had left its light but not its warmth, strong, square jaws that indicated at once the tenacity and stubbornness of the man. The Reverend Fletcher was indeed a good specimen of the evangelist who goes forth with the sword of the smiter rather than the balm of the healer. There was no fear of his beguiling anyone by false promises of perilous peace. When he had taken his position behind the reading-desk, he too began to watch the door. From Mrs. Dean's description of Myron Holder, he had formed an idea of her appearance. He looked to see some flaunting, rustic beauty, bold of eye, brazen of deportment, gaily dressed, perhaps, and defiant of bearing. It lacked but a moment or two of the time for service when Myron Holder entered the church. She paused a moment in the doorway, looking about for an inconspicuous seat. There was one but a step from the doorway. She sank into it. The Reverend Fletcher observed her pale face shine, star-like, for a moment against the darkness of the unlighted porch ere she stepped within the church he decided instantly that this was indeed one of the elect and gave no further thought to her his whole attention was absorbed in looking for the sinner for whose soul he was to do battle he thirsted for the fray but the minutes passed and no one else entered so he took up his discourse and soon had his congregation in a spiritual tumult ejaculations came thick and fast from his hearers and there were as many weeping women as any preacher could desire 
but the heart of the reverend fletcher was hot within him against she the godless one who sat at home whilst the warnings and threatenings prepared for her were poured into the ears of every one else in the village meantime myron sat half dazed truly this was another doctrine than the one she had listened to the night before where amid all these words was the promise of the pitying christ she was out and away the moment mr fletcher uttered his last amen as he stood mopping the perspiration from his brow she was speeding through the silent street and by the time the church was empty she had flung herself sobbing on her bed when the reverend mr fletcher discovered that after all myron holder had been in the church he was decidedly disgusted he always liked aiming his remarks at some particular person and always felt as though he were firing blank cartridges when he could not see the target therefore he was more than annoyed to find that he had so scattered his fire when he might have taken accurate aim at myron he remarked to mrs deans with some irascibility that her description of myron holder had been somewhat misleading oh she's deep said mrs deans and that sly there's no being up to her always going about as if butter wouldn't melt in her mouth but as for wickedness and genuine inborn badness why brother fletcher it's my belief and solemn opinion that she was just making a set at brother hardman with them eyes o hern i'm glad brother fletcher that brother hardman was called away he was very young brother hardman was very the reverend mr fletcher recalling hardman's words at the depot decided that myron was a dangerous creature a sly serpent evidently in a dove's disguise the reverend fletcher girded his loins to the fray and was fain to look well to his breastplate of righteousness and to give thanks that it had fallen to his fate to emulate saint anthony mrs white and mrs wilson were invited to take tea along with the minister next day and mrs wilson played her role of sorrowing mother to perfection the two other ladies paid her the delicate compliment of looking fixedly at her for a moment then shaking their heads lugubriously and exchanging a meaning glance with each other when the cockles of their hearts were warmed by japan tea they began making allusions to dispensations and afflictions and merciful providences terms which in the vocabulary of the sanctified seem to mean the same thing and mrs wilson began making remarks about troubles which were not very intelligible owing to her beginning them with a sniff and ending in a snivel all this fired the zeal of the preacher to no small degree he resolved they should see the strength of the scriptural sword when wielded by his hands he assured them that the stubborn neck of the offender should be bowed beneath the spiritual yoke that the flinty heart of the sinner should be broken and that the cause of all this trouble and scandal should be made to do penance 
these cheerful predictions filled the hearts of his hearers with much joy and they parted in a little flutter of excitement to meet again at the church where they anticipated as mrs white expressed it that brother fletcher would show that myron holder up in her true colors that night myron sat again in that far back seat and again the spiritual thunders of the reverend fletcher spent themselves over her head in all his harangue there was no word to touch her soul death 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 was the burden of it all now death is a bogey to fright happy children with not weary women life had been so bitter to this woman that its antithesis could not be aught but alluring it was the last night of the reverend fletcher's ministration in jamestown for three nights he had fired volleys of fire and brimstone at myron holder for three nights she had sat patient pale unmoved her eyes growing wearier and wearier her face sadder and sadder as her hope of finding peace grew less and less it was such a vague hope not concerned with repentance of sin at all but wholly comprehended in an ineffable longing for the fabled rest of philip hardman's preaching she had heard no further word of it and she was beginning to doubt if she had heard aright that night when the sweetness of the words had left a tiny germ of hope behind the reverend mr fletcher was also sorely troubled his reputation as a revivalist was at stake the eyes of the village were upon him it is true that he had had a great measure of success every night the anxious seat had been filled with weeping women ossie annie abby maria white had waxed fairly hysterical as she avowed her sins and lemon had howled forth a lengthy lamentation of her wickedness saul disney had professed conversion after resisting the workings of the spirit within him for twenty-seven years as he testified but all this garnered grain was but as tares in the sight of the reverend fletcher because of that one stubborn thistle that refused to bow its head to the scriptural sickle but the reverend fletcher was a strategist as well as a fighter he recalled what mrs deans had said regarding myron's inordinate love for her child and remembering resolved to win myron holder's soul despite herself with this resolution strong within him he took his place for the last time before a jamestown audience it ought to have been very gratifying to the ministerial eye that audience for all the village was there all save with one notable exception clem humphrey's place before mrs deans was vacant and never again would he vex that worthy woman's soul by his presence in the jamestown tabernacle clem had left jamestown the night before this last meeting clem willing to sustain his role of a religious individual rose in his place and in sepulchral tones asked for the prayers of the congregation it is probable that such a request was never so promptly granted before for hardly had he resumed his seat before ann lemon was upon her feet 
always voluble and had no difficulty in finding words wherewith to address the lord which she proceeded to do upon clem's behalf as follows o lord she commenced save this sinful man who seeks thy aid you know what he is o lord you know his pretences his hypocrisy his sinfulness but save him for you can you know what a sinful man he is far beyond any hope of good in this world but oh save him you know he drinks putting an enemy into his mouth to steal away his soul you know he lies and is lazy and is a sabbath-breaker spending in sinful sport the hours when he should worship thee you know he makes his religion just a cloak for his deceit you know all this for nothing is hid from thee you know he oppressed the widow all last winter but save him lord for you can save him now whilst he seeks thy aid you know he did it for his own ends to make people believe in his goodness but save him now now o lord when he can't get out save him in spite of himself make him indeed one of your sheep and sat down amid a chorus of amens and clem was eagerly besought to testify but clem was literally dumb with rage and sat mute whilst the reverend fletcher prayed that the new-found brother might be given the gift of holy speech that he might show forth the mercy he had found concluding by giving thanks for the conversion of this great sinner and this to a man who had been so long a favoured one with the godly in the land it was too much clem trembled with rage anne's life would hardly have been safe at that moment could clem have laid hands on her as it was she did not fall in his way and old clem took french leave of jamestown that night shaking the dust from off his feet as a testimony against it he resolved as he left the village never again to try to keep up with the religious folk clem decided they made the place too hot for him the reverend fletcher rose and began his address robbed of its exuberance of expression it was an effective one he concluded with an impassioned appeal to his hearers to accept the truth is there he said none among you to whom there appears a little lonely grave whose whispering grasses plead to you to think of the little one buried there wandering alone in heaven seeking there the love it had on earth already wearied by its long waiting already faltering as it searches for the loved face already heartsick as it listens to the angels singing the names of the saved on earth but never never hears that loved name in the heavenly roll-call is there none among you who has an empty heart is there none among you who feels in memory only the loving touch of baby fingers is there none among you who in dreams only hears a baby voice cry mother mother if there is such a mother will she sit stubbornly silent here whilst her lonely child orphaned even in heaven because of her hard-heartedness searches 
ever on and on for the mother that will not come to him mr fletcher paused there was breathless silence for a moment then there was a stir far back near the door the congregation moved looked round and murmured a woman's figure came swiftly down the aisle reached the clear space before the platform stood wavered the next moment myron holder had fallen to the floor prostrate as a novice beneath the pall myron holder and the reverend fletcher stood alone in the empty church mrs deans waited impatiently outside she had never dreamed mr fletcher would treat her thus the noise of the departing congregation was dying away and mr fletcher was carrying out a stern resolution he had made he was talking to myron holder of her sin and its enormity upbraiding her for the past and cautioning her against the future she listened meekly admitting her sin and saying no single word in palliation of it he was giving her stern advice regarding her attitude towards the rest of the village when she interrupted him for the first time i am leaving jamestown to-morrow she said what said mr fletcher i am leaving jamestown to-morrow she repeated the reverend fletcher's brow grew stern is that how you are going to evidence the new mercy you have found by going out into the world to deceive people i will deceive no one she said i can do nothing here in winter i shall have to go on the township again i must go to earn my living evil will come of it your influence will not be for good you will spread a moral pestilence once i took a long journey in the cars the car was very dirty and there was much soot and smoke and the black coat i wore absorbed the dust and grime well it lost nothing of its good appearance it was a black coat like other black coats to look at but listen one day soon after in a crowded train i sat next a woman with a white dress on what was the result her dress was smirched and darkened where her sleeve touched mine so it was always that coat defiled everything it touched until i put it from me it was a good coat and i could ill afford to do it but still less could i afford to pollute whatever i touched it is thus with you out of evil evil will come we do not gather figs of thistles your life has been evil your heart is bad can good emanate from this you will go forth to the world in fair seeming no trace of your sin visible to the eye and you will spread the contagion of your sin listen to me myron holder do not dare go forth in silence do not dare conceal your real nature do not dare say to each man and woman with whom you have more than the most brief association lo i am one who has sinned i have been a mother but not a wife myron gazed at him with horror wide eyes his were implacable am i so dreadful she said oh must i proclaim my shame aloud you must 
he said what would you deny your child on earth and hope to meet him in heaven she let fall her face in her hands there was silence for a space then she raised her head very well she said i will do as you say she turned from his side and made her way down the church a strange and new distinction of manner seemed to have enveloped her a dignity of absolute isolation she passed through the door and for the last time mrs dean's eyes looked into hers that steady gaze lasted some seconds and then myron holder went out into the night but in that last meeting of eyes myron holders were not the ones that faltered as cain went forth with his curse did his eyes fall before any living face he was subject only to fear of his fate myron holder feared only the years she had to live that night in her cottage myron holder sat sewing fashioning a tiny bag out of one of my's misshapen aprons when completed she put something carefully in it and hung it round her neck concealing it beneath her gown she folded up her few articles of clean clothing and tied them up with my's little tin mug into a neat parcel she took a last look around the silent rooms and then went out closing the door gently behind her as if heedful not to awaken one who slept all along the little path voices seemed to bear her company the voices of her father her grandmother homer's strong tender tones and my's uncertain voice and each awoke a loving echo in her heart yes even the strident voice of her grandmother they each and all whispered good-bye good-bye save the little child's that was inarticulate and babbled but of childish love and confidence she made her way along the road she had trodden so many times in anguish she reached the graveyard and there held her last vigil by the side of my's grave the stars were yet in the sky the mysterious stars of morning skies when she rose to her feet she went to each of the other graves that her heart held and then came back to this one the newest and smallest of the four she looked down upon it with the pain of childbirth in her eyes then up to the mindful stars she turned away with a prayer upon her lips the same in which was uttered her agony in the cottage the same prayer that had faltered from her lips in the church not lord lord but my my so myron holder left jamestown and with her we leave it also there is much yet that might be told of the place of the strange death that befell bing white of the marriage of gamaliel deans to liz the bound girl of the penance of pain that was meted out to mrs deans for the evil she had wrought of how mr and mrs wilson were turned out of their farm by those of their children who had so pitied them whilst homer lived 
of how after all the old ragman found a fortune in rags though not in the way he had dreamed of of how the new church was built and of how the old holder cottage still stands a ruin amid its garden peopled only by sparrows of how a new railway runs through the school playground and banishes the buttercups by its cinders to the other side of the broken-down fence there they run riot having spread even up to the doorstep of the old cottage where they cluster about the roots of the hop vines there have been many changes in jamestown great factories disfigure the margin of the lake defile the streams with their refuse and befoul the atmosphere with their smoke a long row of workmen's cottages depressingly alike in gable and window has crowded the black horse in out of existence its old bricks pave the paths over which the mill hands go to work the last vestige of its violets has vanished the hearts of the jamestown women however have not changed the same merciless virtue that hounded myron holder pursues the poor factory girl who falters on her way the same pointing fingers sting her soul the same condemnation the same cruelty the same scorn greet her as were meted out to myron holder in the olden days it was the vestal virgins charged with keeping alight the fires that burned upon the altars sacred to home that doomed the fallen gladiator to death their inflexible gesture negatived the pleading of the upraised hand there is no single instance given where they exercised the power of pardon vested in them and to-day the verdict upon the fallen comes from women also and is there any record of pardons but o oh, women think well before you utter a harsh judgment your verdict is the more sacred by virtue of being pronounced upon your own sex for woman is more nearly allied to woman than man to man each woman is linked to her sister women by the indissoluble bond of common pain for men must work and women must weep may have its exceptions as to men who by favoring fortune or a kindly fate may escape their heritage of labor but did a woman ever elude her birthright of tears it rests with women whether the bitter cup these unhappy ones drink be brimmed to the lip or not oh well there are many jamestowns and many women therein by their works ye shall know them to the jamestown women we have known through their treatment of myron holder we say farewell gladly only asking them have ye done well they moulder flesh and bone who might have made this life's envenomed dream a sweeter draught than ye shall ever taste i deem End of chapter twenty two